You're listening to Carrie Lutz's Financial Survival Network, where you get valuable information you just can't find anywhere else. To thrive in today's trying times, you need the Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and get your free newsletter and gift. Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. Welcome. You are listening to the Financial Survival Network. I'm Kerry Lutz, and today is October 6, 2021. Well, markets have hit some a couple of rough patches lately, to say the least. Is this the uh, start of the long-awaited, the long-dreaded correction, or perhaps <laughs> even the beginning of a legitimate bear market, something that uh, many of you out there are too young to even remember since we had the last one. You might have been in diapers or uh, in pre-K or in kindergarten when it happened. Uh, You know, when uh, markets head one way for too long, they're going to reverse at some point. Well, with us now is our good friend, Sam McElroy. Sam, the markets come and they go. But uh, but the bull market's forever, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I think I think we got to always remember that the market moves in cycles, right? The the economy moves in cycles. So we we always are, you know, cautiously optimistic. We're looking for gains. We're looking for opportunity. But we also know that there's directional changes that happen from time to time, and that's just part of of the expectation, kind of when you're investing. So, it's often not a question of necessarily just the directional changes. It's more so just being able to understand where to maximize opportunities, regardless of what's happening. Yeah. So, look, uh, we had a few down days. We've had some volatility, but the markets at so much higher a level that the percentage losses have been negligible. You know, yeah. three four percent in a month. Uh, when I look back at, uh, at last month's performance um, on the markets, they really, uh, you know, they were down and they were down for the half. For instance, the Dow Jones Industrials last month down four point three percent. S&P 4.8, NASDAQ 5, but look how much they've been up. So, uh, and then you have to look at the volume. The volume was higher, but the volume was not crushing by any stretch, was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we can look at a lot of different data points to tell the narrative that we want, right? So sometimes, you know, you can look at percentages. Uh, Other times you can look at volume, you can look at actual dollars. It depends on kind of, you know, what's relevant at the time. You know, the market, no matter how you look at it, is at a relative high, right? If we look at the, you know, maybe rolling 10 years, five years, whatever it is, we know that the market's at a higher point now than it was previously. And when we see these, you know, situational changes, these directional changes on a day-to-day swing, we're seeing more volatility, but at the same time, people generally have been rewarded for taking more risk in the market, at least since, you know, we recovered. And let's say we fully rebounded from the subprime mortgage crisis somewhere in 2013, really ever since uh, we've been rewarded for being more aggressive, even though we've had some pullbacks, you know, 2018 finished down a little bit. We had a, you know, real scare last year, but, uh, but, you know, generally speaking, we're at a higher point than we have been before. And so I think the major question for everybody is what comes next? You know, I think we're, we're kind of waiting to see, you know, is there going to be a reversion to the mean? Uh, it happens sooner or later. And if so, to what degree? Or are we going to continue on this upward trajectory that we've been on for a while now? That is the question. And uh, if you could answer that one, uh, you, would, uh, you would be doing OK. You could uh, maybe become a psychic. 
That's right. That's right. If any of us could, right, we'd, we'd be retired somewhere on a small island. Uh, but, you know, the truth is none of us have a crystal ball. So we, we don't know. We try to read the signs as best as we can. But we also know that there's some, you know, irrationalization to it as well. You know, the, the fact that it involves people and that people are sometimes irrational means that the system is never going to be perfectly efficient. And it always surprises me how people think that they've, you know, cracked the algorithm and, you know, their, their models are, you know, impervious to psychological impacts of investor sentiment. But if that were true, then there'd be some cajillionaire somewhere that's, that's, you know, been able to amass an obscene amount of wealth. So we're all doing the best we can to try to read the signs and understand kind of what they're telling us and where to go from there. And like most times, there are some indicators that are looking really, really promising. And there's some that are looking a little bit uh, scary. So we got to, you know, we got to be careful. Yes, we got to be careful. So how do you be careful without losing all your potential upside? Because you can be too careful, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's the same as, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who's another advisor and, and we often talk in terms of metaphors and we were talking about a sports metaphor. And I think they're always the best because you can use them to relate to life. So we know that we have the, uh, you know, championship teams really can't be too one sided. Every now and then you get an anomaly where the offense is just so good or the defense is just so lights out that they can carry the other side. But normally you want to see balance, right? You want to see a really strong offense, but a really good defense as well. And it's the same thing in personal finances. So what we're all trying to do is figure out it's never all on or all off. You know, people talk about risk on risk off, but it's never all one way or the other. It's about where is the balance based off of what's going on. So at some points, we're going to want to be a little bit more tilted towards the offense at some point, more defense. The question is, in a volatile market where we're seeing sector rotations, where we're seeing rotation to value to some degree, and then back to, to growth to some degree, where is the defensive maneuvering or the, the defensive plays that, that we can try to use as a hedge? Right. So what do you think the best hedge out there is now on the market? You know, really, if I were going to answer that, I would say it depends on the person almost more so than the environment. And it depends on what their purpose is and what they're trying to do. My answer for someone who say is in or near retirement would be very different than somebody who who's younger. You know, if somebody's younger and they got a longer term time horizon, uh, what I'm telling a lot of people, and this isn't rock and science, is the key to taking advantage of, of, of volatility is more capital to be able to put in in a down market. That means either, you know, being able to utilize um, coming from salaries or businesses or something like that to be able to buy more shares. Mm -hmm. build your growth oriented portfolio that you're going to purposefully uh, focus on how to increase the yield at the same time so that the yield basically is giving you more dollars to dollar cost average back end. Okay. I can buy that. I can buy that. So it really depends upon the investor, your situation in life, how much you've acquired your risk tolerance and uh, when, you know, what your future income is going to be. Right. Uh, and that's exactly right. Yep. One thing I find about professional investors versus individual investors is that they're much more cognizant of risk and much more uh, out there willing to, uh, shall we say, manage that risk more effectively. So that, uh, and they've got more discipline, predetermined entry and exit points. The market goes down, let's say 10%. Sam, is it time to get back in? Well, I think that I think what you want to try to do is test different levels, right? 
it's we we all know that it's extremely hard to get in at the absolute bottom and it's extremely hard to get out at the absolute top. So when you're trying to test the bottom, what you're really trying to do is just put capital to work at different resistance levels. So if the market's down 10%, yeah, to me, that's that's a decent opportunity to do some buying, though I may not deploy all capital because we don't know if it's going to go down further. You know, you think about what happened last year and the market fell 35%. Well, as, as scary as that was and as quickly as it happened compared to some of the drops we had previously, that was nothing, right? Because in the early 2000s, uh, we saw the NASDAQ crash. The NASDAQ was down 70 plus percent. You know, in the subprime mortgage crisis, we saw almost all the indices down 50, 60 percent. So there was a reasonable thought that we may have had further to go. And if somebody had waited uh, and not put some money into the sideline, we saw that we had a really quick recovery where it recovered over the next four or five months, basically. And they would have probably missed a lot of the upside. So when it was dropping pretty fast, you know, when it started to level off, you probably do a little bit of buying then. When it drops a little further, you do a little bit of buying then and you start buying on the way up. You know, at the end of the day, what you're really trying to rely on is dollar cost averaging to some degree so that you're buying more shares at those lower points and fewer shares at the higher points. And, and that's, uh, you know, when you're thinking about the average investor, that's something that really anyone can do. You don't have to have a sophisticated trading algorithm to be able to do that level of, of activity. Okay. I'll buy that. I'll buy that, Sam. So, uh, just tell us somebody who came to you recently who really didn't know what they were doing and you helped straighten them out and get them uh, back on track. Don't just survive, thrive. The Financial Survival Network. Today's show is brought to you by Mistango River Resources. Their flagship projects are located in Kirkland Lake, an established gold camp that has historically produced over 70 million ounces of gold. The Kirkland West project is a high-grade gold project beside Kirkland Lake Gold's world-class Mikasa Gold Mine, one of the highest-grade mines in the world. The major project is an advanced-stage project with 600,000-plus ounces of gold along the Cadillac Break, 25 kilometers east of Mikasa. Their projects have the potential to transform into another world-class mining camp in the Kirkland Lake District. Make sure you go over to mistango.com, that's M-I-S-T-A-N-G-O.com, take a look and sign up for notifications. Stock is traded on the Canadian Stock Exchange, ticker symbol M-I-S. For more information and to sign up for notifications, go to mistango.com. This is the Financial Survival Network, the information you need to thrive now more than ever. Well, there was somebody who, uh, you know, there's so many that kind of come to mind. And uh, I'm thinking about someone in this case who predominantly was coming to us looking more for retirement. They were in the process of trying to transition into retirement. And I think that one of the things that's hardest is that things are different <laughs> when you're looking at different phases of life. The, the advice, the math, the glide path, you know, all the things really change when you're in the distribution phase versus in the accumulation phase. And it's hard because all the things that help us acquire wealth and help us to be really efficient stewards of our money, when we're in the accumulation phase, all of a sudden, just overnight becomes almost a negative, right? So when you're in the accumulation phase and you're sourcing, you know, what you pay for out of your life, predominantly from earned income, your investments really only have one job, which is to grow over time. So we tend to focus more on total return. We don't really mind the ups and downs. We're thinking more about time horizon and, and risk tolerance. And we know that over time, if we just keep investing and don't, you know, act erratically, that we're probably going to accumulate more wealth. So we're trained to buy and hold. We're trained not to touch it. We're trained not 
to panic. In the distribution phase, though, that same buy and hold process doesn't necessarily produce the same results because we're not looking for investments just to grow over time. We're looking for it to do a lot of things simultaneously. We're looking for it to distribute income, grow, preserve capital, <laughs> protect us, you know, all at the same time. And that means that we have to use different strategies than we do when, when we're in the accumulation phase. And so there's a lot of instances where we'll sit down with people and, and they've done a great job accumulating wealth. But then as they enter the distribution phase, especially in a geopolitical landscape like we're in right now, a macroeconomic changing landscape like we're in right now, then there's a lot of tools that, that you got to really pull to the table to help people change not just the nature of the investments, but the nature of the financial plan as a whole. Okay. And that's totally reasonable. And because obviously you got to change, even if you don't have to change your lifestyle, right? You're going to have to change your attitude, if you will. Right. Exactly. You got to change your thought process, your philosophy, your approach. You have to change your goals to some, you know, to some degree. Also, we got to remember that, especially in retirement, you know, getting a better total return may not necessarily mean that you're better prepared to reach your goals. And I think that paradigm shift is just unique because oftentimes that's the way that we measured success, you know, during the accumulation phase. Sure. So how do you measure success during the uh, distribution phase, if you will? Well, the biggest way to measure it, I think, is going to be somewhat subjective, right? It's it's about are you accomplishing your goals in your resources? So if I think about what the primary goal is in retirement, it's usually about the ability to do the things that you practically want to do in life, whether that's traveling or hobbies or, you know, being close to family, uh, you know, volunteering somewhere, whatever, it's going to be different for everybody. Are you able to do those things in a way where you feel confident, comfortable, where you have as little anxiety over money as possible, where you're not worried about running out? You know, you measure it more in that subjective feel. And, and behind that is more of the technical aspect, which is, are you able to sustain the distributions that you need with as little impact on principle as possible? And when you're thinking about impact on principle, you don't want to just measure it by market value because market values always change. Changing. You want to think about your capacity to produce income. Has that increased or decreased? Is your share count staying the same? Is it increasing? Is it decreasing? So you think about it a little bit differently and you think about how integrated your core plans are. So it's not just about the investments, but your tax efficiency, your social security planning, your survivorship, your estate plan, your healthcare plan. Have you really thought through how all those different pieces are now integrated together to support you and what you're trying to do in this phase of life? That's such a great point. Uh, just recently, you know, I had COVID back end of last December, and I realized I hadn't uh, fixed my uh, will, my estate plan for over 20 years. Probably wouldn't have made much difference, just that the administrative nightmare of trying to find all my stuff for my kids and all that. And I realized it was a wake up call to me that I had to get it together. I didn't have a healthcare proxy. You also need this thing called a HIPAA authorization because right. you don't have that and you don't write somebody's name down on the, uh, on the, uh, in, uh, the intake form when you go to the hospital and they can't even call to get your condition. And uh, that was a wake up call. It wasn't like that much stuff had changed since I was uh, <laughs> the laws a little bit on the laws, it was just my situation in 20 years. It's totally different. All my kids were grown, uh, you know, basically living by myself and uh, that was it. So uh, 
you go through these phases of life. And as you go through your phases of life, all your plans need to be updated because if you don't have a plan, you know what they say, if you're not planning to succeed, you're planning to fail. And it's just so true. Uh, I witnessed it firsthand, all these things. And now, you know, now I got it together. Now I'm looking at trusts. I've got certain trusts in place for my children because another thing people don't really think about is how do you, uh, how much of your money is going to be stolen by, uh, by unethical attorneys and uh, professionals when you pass on and your, your will needs to be probated. And there's such an easy way to avoid all probate and uh, everyone should be doing it. Uh, who has anything. And even if you don't, you have to like do your estate plan as if you're uh, a wealthy individual, uh, even if you're not, because one day you might be. And if you haven't planned for it, the government's going to get a big chunk of it. In any event, Sam, we could go on with this all day. Honestly, <laughs> just tell us uh, where we can find you, how we connect with you. Yeah, the, the easiest place is just our website. It's uh, www.strideFinancialAdvisors.com. And uh, phone number here is 312-767-9166. Excellent. Links in the show notes to this interview. If you got a question for Sam or myself, I would urge you to please uh, drop me an email. If you got a question about trusts, it's something I know a little something about because I've been working on mine uh, dutifully the past several months. And the email address is kl at kerrylutz.com. Sam, always a pleasure. Really appreciate you coming on. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kerry. Thanks for listening to Carrie Lutz's Financial Survival Network, your solution to today's trying times. For the latest, go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com. Financial Survival Network, now more than ever.